Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's Sunday night, and let me... uh, do another piece on Pesach, um, which is part of a series sponsored as every year by the by Gluck Plumbing, and uh, I'll get right to the point. <clears throat> it's always interesting to know that the carbon Pesach is uh, you have a dealer's choice. You have a, a, a sheep or a goat. I've spoken about that before, and the Pashat way. I don't know if there's such a thing as a Pashat way, but the symbolism is definitely there. That. Um, as I mentioned before, you're supposed to see yourself as when you left Egypt, and the sheep was the god of Egypt, the goat was not. And so, those who are more um, courageous will shech the sheep, um, even though Hain Nizbach has told us Mitzrayim lay name below Yitzkalunu, even Moshe was afraid of that. Uh, but those who are less courageous uh, can do a goat. If you shech the goat, you know, you're not particularly, uh, you know, uh, taking off the Egyptians. That's the push shot. And that means, I mean, push shot, if you want to call it that, in symbolism, in terms of symbolism. <clears throat> and uh, a person with Shechta goat, it's perfectly valid, even today. And and uh, you put the blood on the wall and all the rest of it, you know, it's, it's not going to take off your Egyptian neighbors necessarily. But uh, not everybody's required to be, you know, Nachshon Ben Amenadov, as it were. And, you know, this is something we've discussed in the past. If you want to have an interesting uh, conversation at the Seder, you know, would, if you were there, would you have done a, a sheep or a goat? You know, uh, and all that is true. However, it's also so that the goat is a particular symbol in, in Judaism, at least the Rambam says so, because it reminds you of the sale of Yosef. Now, uh, because they shechted a goat, you know what I mean, and the, uh, 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 what is it? You know, that, that part of the story, that they said that it's the blood of Yosef was really a goat. And the Rambam says very famously in the Murnavuchim that the reason that the Chavdas is a goat is to because that the original sin of Kali Yisrael is, a goat, is, is the Mechiris Yosef. Okay? It's the Mechiris Yosef. So, um, which is true. In other words, as a people, the first act of radical disunity, which eventually took us down, was the Mechiris Yosef, the whole uh, Yosef story. Now, I know it's the Shvatim, so eventually they got back together again, unlike later in Jewish history, but nevertheless, you know, this is the, as we know, it's, it's a foundational story. So that's very interesting. I'll tell you why I say that. We have two versions of the Haggadah. Is everybody who's Rav Shmuel? <coughs> Once upon a time, these, the Rav people do one way and the Shmuel people do another way. <coughs> I saw in the article Mishnah somewhere that, you know, there's a, Somebody says that really you say both of them say both, but that's a little bit uh, seems a little bit forced. The uh, 
The Pashim shot is that the Seder of old, remember the Seder is an invention from the Bayashani period. There may be a Daraisa of Sipri Yitzis Mitzrayim. That, of course, is true. But there wasn't any formal way of saying it. And uh, and a lot of people, I'm sure, in ancient times were simply minimalistic. Otherwise, why would Rabbi Gamliel say you have to say at least Pesach Matzamar? And there are different ways, as I said before, of understanding the story. But nevertheless, Maschel Begenosim Asayim B'Shvach. So... That seems to be the, the right way to go. The only thing is, Rav has a short version and Shmuel has a longer version. Rav has the version, I've spoken about this in the past, Rav has a quickie version. That's the whole story. Okay? I mean, that's the Gansa Magid. Um, everything after that is, you know, like an add-on. You can tell. I mean, when it says, they tell a story about, you know, the the, the rabbis and they brought they're up all night. I mean, that's like an add-on. That's that's not part really of the of the story of Yitzhak Mitzrayim. It's just to illustrate a point. But even is like an add-on. The heart of the matter is the the that the uh, the child hopefully says something like Manishtana, and the father says, Because you're a Tom, throwing it to you. If you had a you know a non from uh, friend or whatever colleague you invited to a city for the very first time, and you don't want to overload him with information. And he says, what is this, uh, you know, whole ceremony? He said, well, tonight's the night we left Egypt. We used to be slaves. And then I got out through divine intervention and so forth. I mean, that's, you know, the simple way of, of putting it. And uh, and that's like I say, you know, pretty much the end of the Magad. I mean, what comes after that? Uh, the four sons? You know, it's, it's, it's all like an add-on to the essential story, which is very brief. Um, it's not even including Peso Matamar. <laughs> right? Now, because all you say is And even if you want to say All right, fine. You know, that, that I hear could be part of the Icarus story altogether, but it's extremely brief. Now, by contrast, Shmuel does the other way with Mitchil of the Avodah so Shmuel says, no, you got to go back to the early history of the Jewish people. It's more of a spiritual type of thing. Uh, okay, that's fine with me also. So Shmuel, therefore, is more of a historian in the sense you have to look for historical roots. Okay? So, and again, we've, I've spoken about this more than once in the past. I'll just tell you where I'm going with this. Uh, Rav is, is, is the sheep story. Shmuel is the goat story. That's, I think, the aesthetic of using a goat. Because, although it is true that it's not the God of Egypt, but the goat is really taking you to the Makor for the um, Golis and Mitzrayim in the following sense. They had the Jews get to Egypt because they sold Yosef there. Now, it's not exactly the Brisbane of Sarm Vart, and, and that is true, but it is the more direct story, because after all, when you read the Chumash, um, there is a story of Avram Avinu being for a short time in Egypt, but there's no foreshadowing in the Chumash plainly of the Gauls Mitzrayim. You can learn that Brisbane, I'm sorry, man, you can learn because Avram did this, 
You know, I mean, I know all those words and I get it. But at the plain level, at the at the uh, level of shot, how did the Jews get into Egypt in the first place? Because of Yosef. If they hadn't done this, they never would have gone to Egypt. They never would have been slaves. Prost and push it. Uh, so we're the authors of our own misfortune in that regard. They can say, look, uh, you know, uh, these sins started late. No, if the Jews hadn't gone to Mitzrayim, then they wouldn't have gotten in the, in the eyes of the Egyptians, and then the whole story wouldn't have started. And so if you want to know how physically the Jews in Egypt, it goes back to the Yosef story. After all, we don't have a gullus of Belgium because the Jews never went to Belgium. I'm not saying that if they went to Belgium, things wouldn't turn out bad either, but they never went there. I never went to China, right? Never went to India. We did go to Egypt. How'd you go to Egypt? Well, you know, it's it's our own fault. Okay? So in other words, if you do a carbon Pesach, I repeat, a carbon Pesach uh, with the matzah and the mar, lechem she'onin alov dvarim harbe. So, and you're being mekayim the midst of Sippi Yitzhak prime at the Passover Seder. And you happen to have a goat instead of a sheep. So it strikes me that you're a Shmuel person, and when the son says, the answer is going to be, well, it goes back to the Yosef story. See this goat you have in front of us? That's the original goat that the brothers did when they killed Yosef and lied to the father. We did it. We did it. It was a big sin. And we got punished for it in the sense of having gone down to Mitzrayim, uh, you know, in the screwball fashion that it happened. You know, there was a famine and all the rest of it. The famine obviously being Min HaShemayim. After all, Yosef predicted the thing before it happened. Uh, you know, it was a dream of Pharaoh, meaning it was a divinely inspired uh, phenomenon. And the person, the father, who's telling that story would then um, would then be saying uh, the story of Sibri Sisyon's rhyme, starting with the Yosef Misa and going into Arichas, I would say, with Pharaoh's dream and the rise of Moshe to uh, Viceroy, and then um, what happened to the Bnei Yisrael in Mitzrayim, I would think. By that I mean that how is it that they move from being liked to being disliked, and how did they move from being free in Egypt and privileged to being slaves? And then the emphasis of the Magid would be, you know, don't repeat this, the, the mistakes that we made in Egypt. Uh, because otherwise you'll end up with a with, with a bad experience again, and uh, you know, and who says you'll be worthy enough that the Rebbeinu should, should do the whole business all over again? I'm wondering in the back of my mind historically if the Jews in Egypt did the goat. You get what I'm saying? Because the Jew, what I mean is the Jews in Bayashani period. It's very likely we'll never know that the origins of the Seder itself, as I've mentioned in the past, go back to Egypt. Uh, we don't know for sure, but because of all the imitation of the Greek forms, that's very Egyptian Jewish. The Jews in Egypt, as far as we know, I'm talking about the Jews who lived in Mitzrayim in the time of Bayashani and, and afterwards, which was an extremely large community. I know everybody's familiar with that famous synagogue that was so big that they had to wave the flag to say Amen. In other words, 
there was a pulsating Jewish community once upon a time in Mitzrayim for many centuries. Every once in a while there was outbreaks against them, but generally speaking, they lived high in the hog. And they were trusted by the government, and they did well. So I realize it's a little bit weird. I do realize it's a little bit weird that they had a Seder, but they did have a Seder. And moreover, as I've said in the past, Egypt is the place where the counter-narrative began. When the Bible was translated into Greek, which took place in Egypt, time of King Ptolemy II, uh, so, what shall I say? The 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 Egyptians react. So, so in other words, when the Torah was translated into Greek, and Greek was the language of the educated class in Egypt in the time of Cheney under the Ptolemaic dynasty, the Ptolemies were Macedonians who, t- who seized power in Egypt for hundreds and hundreds of years. So, um, all of a sudden, the Gaim could read the story of the of of, of Shemos, and you know, Paro looks pretty stupid, as, as as I pointed out. You could say that the Book of Shemos is somewhat of an anti-Egyptian document. Uh, that's pretty clear. And the Egyptians actually look a little bit stupid. Power and pajamas in the middle of the night. I mean, me Hashem Hashem But by the time it's over, oh boy. Now, wait a minute. Um, the Egyptians got ticked off at this, as they would today. And they produced a counter-narrative, which was very popular in the ancient world. Tom at the time of the Greeks and the Romans, in which... It's not true that Jews left Egypt because he seized Mitzrayim, but the Jews were kicked out of Egypt uh, by the Egyptians because they were health hazard and they're Ganovim and all the stuff you find in Tacitus and in Mendeso and these other authors who describe the fact that the Egyptians kicked the Jews out of Egypt because they were disgusting. Uh, like I say, I, you know, we've done this all in the past. I even have a, a video of this online somewhere if you look. Now, a uh, speech I gave many years ago. So to counter that, the Jews produced their own version, which we call the Passover Seder, because otherwise, if you don't reinforce it with your kids, the Chacham and the Rosh and the Talmudin and the Elishol, so, um, I mean, in the Egyptian context, in the Egyptian context, the Rasha is like a kid now buying into the BDS. He's saying, Ma Vodazos Lachem. I mean, uh, this story's not true. The Egyptian neighbors will tell you what really happened, you know, and they kicked us out, and we were the bad ones and all the rest of it. So, to counter this, we produced the Pesach Seder. It evolved. And that's why it has all these Greek forms to it, the four cups and the four questions and the four courses and all the rest of it. Uh, even though Davi Komen, that the Jews produced, was very different than the Epikomion of the of the Greeks, and I'm no dancing girls at the at the Passover Seder. But if you're Jewish and you live in Egypt, you're talking asking yourself the following question. So how do we end up here? You know, what what are we doing here? How do we end up here? Now I'm sure the Jews in Egypt said, um, you know, we're here temporarily, one day we'll go back to Israel. We're here now for economic reasons, same way Jews are in Kutzlarts today. It is strange but true that the Jews in Egypt even had their own base Hamikdash, the Mikdash Chonyo, and therefore many of them probably did the Karm Pesach in Egypt. So I, I mean, I realize that's weird. But in that context, I could see the goat being, you know, almost the main uh, part of the story for thoughtful people, thoughtful Egyptian Jews, because 
you can blame everything on the goyim, and that would be the sheep. They used to worship a sheep, and we killed it. Or you could go deeper and blame it on ourselves and find what faults do we have as a community, and do we still do this? Does one Jew still betray the other? And uh, are we ready to sell Yosef out? In other words, and will we try to do the goat thing again? And so then we see the goat as a, as a, and the Karm Pesach as a certain type of chatas. You get what I'm saying? Now, I know it's a shlambim, I get there. But I'm saying symbolically, it's a sin It's it's a sin offering, meaning that the Jewish people, when they left Egypt, those who choose to go this route, say, we're leaving Egypt and we're apologizing for the uh, misdeeds that brought us to this stupid country in the first place. You understand? We, I'm talking about the very first Passover. You could take a, a Hashem say you could take a, a sheep or a goat. It's two different stories. If I do the goat, then I'm not saying tonight we kill Elohim Mitzrayim. I'm saying tonight we're going to eat the goat, you know, in a carbon context, and it's going to be a certain way, like a carbon katas to say that we're leaving this country and we hope we never come back here again and therefore we have to hope to undo the misdeeds, the original Mechiris Yosef, that caused us to end up in this place in the first place. Um, that's already a powerful story. That's actually a very sophisticated kind of Seder, I think. And it's more than simply uh, being a chicken and not being and, and not wanting to, you know, tick off the Egyptians by using their god. I mean, that is true. That factor is there. You can't deny it. But it's also true that, uh, especially in light of the fact that in the desert they're going to be told that the official sin offering is going to be a goat. I mean, the people who left Egypt are going to say, yeah, that's taka what we used in, in, in the Seder. In the Seder. So, I think, let me put it this way, nothing is, is coincidence. You know, if Hashem said there's a reason for it, or multiple reasons, it can't be that, you know, they did this to Yosef, and as a result, they ended up in Egypt, and as a result, they ended up in slavery, and then they came out, and then Hashem says, offer up a goat on your way out. It's got to be connected in there. And so, it goes to the old Musavart, which is, do you blame others, or do you blame, or, or, or do you look to the faults in yourself? Uh, if you do the Rav, if you do the uh, sheep way, uh, you're blaming the others. And there's plenty of blame to go to Mitzrayim. I'm not denying that, obviously. But if you're of a different nature, and you say, heck with the guy, I don't care about them. Why did Hashem make us? There's almost like a frumer way. You know, what did we do to cause Hashem to do this to us? Then you're going to focus on the on the easy, on the goat. So uh, I think you could then, as I said before, the Russia kind of, you know, uh, you know, works out that way. And you can almost even say that Tom is like Mazos. You know, he's he's not, you know, he's like, well, what are we doing with a goat? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if you tell me a sheep, I get it. But you tell me what's a goat. The, and the Tom doesn't know the whole story of Yosef, you know. And he doesn't get the connection, doesn't make the connections. Dana Delisha, I'm not sure how to work with that. But I think that this is definitely Mahalach. Um for understanding this unusual zah. I mean, usually Torah does, I mean, sometimes by carbonus it gives you a choice, but usually it's associated, I think, with financial. You know, carbon olivariate or something like that. That's how I understand it. But uh, something as central as a 
as the Yitzhi's Mitzrayim, as, as, as a carbon of Egypt, you'd think that they would, you know, uh, make everybody get a, a, a sheep. Now, I guess a goat is easier to walk. So that part is true, but that's a little bit too, uh, a, a, a little bit too rationalistic for me. You know, even though I like rational interpretation, that's it's a little bit, uh, you know, uh, what's the right word? Superficial. Um, you know, like the Israeli said, my opponent and, and uh, you know, at, at, at surface level, he seems profound. But when you get deeper, he's superficial, you know, you know, end up like that. Uh, so I think this is an interesting mahalak with the goat. Maybe I'll uh, develop this um, as I put it together better uh, over the course of this coming week. Uh, once again, I want to thank uh, uh, the Glux for sponsoring the series. And uh, we ain't done yet, hopefully. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.